There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's January 10th, 1985, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. So it was on this day that doomed design classic, the Sinclair C5, was launched. Might not have been the best time to launch this vehicle because you don't really want to be driving an open-top anything in the middle of January. And it's worth probably saying at this stage what the C5 is for anyone who, like me, before I started researching this thing, doesn't know what the C5 is. Yeah, good luck describing this. You know, without Google okay. Images to help you, it's like it's like that <laughs> improvised theatre game where you're like, describe a spiral staircase without doing the gesture with your fingers. Functionally, it seems like almost like a sidecar without a main car attached to it. But it looks like it crosses <laughs> so between true. a mobility scooter and a child's pedal car. Yes. And one that's been designed by Apple on a really, really bad day, I thought. Like sort of the hallmarks of Appleness. It's white and stuff, but just not terribly well put together. It's a three-wheeler vehicle that is powered by battery, lead-acid battery specifically, which, by the way, are heavy, and so it struggled on any kind of incline. So, again, the choice of venue for this press launch wasn't great. Alexandra Palace, like literally the hilliest place in (laughs) North London. (laughs) And then you steer it by holding a handlebar under your thighs. And uh, it has a not terribly high speed of 15 kilometres per hour, and it was uh, purported to have a a range of about 20 miles, but actually in most of the tests, it couldn't get much further than about 10 miles. And part of the reason that it got such a poor reception was probably that it was misrepresented a little bit, because what Sir Clive Sinclair was famous for at the time was he'd made the first affordable slimline pocket calculator, and he'd done the first mass market computer. So when it was announced that he was going into, you know, the vehicle field, people thought, wow, he's going to transform this industry Mm. too but what it really was the c5 Mm. was basically an electrically assisted trike you know you Mm. actually spent Mm. a lot of time pedaling including if it went uphill you'd get a little bleep saying that the battery was kind of overloaded and you had to assist it by pedaling it was an e-bike basically wasn't it it was an e-bike in 1985. And if that's how it had been advertised, maybe yeah. people would have been a little bit more sympathetic in their reception, but it had come in on this idea that it was going to transform the motoring industry. Well, the categorical fudge was crucial to its genesis because it came about because the government had recently changed the legislation to say that if a pedal cycle was electrically assisted, then a 14-year-old could drive it as opposed to adults only. Mm which meant you didn't need a driving license, you didn't need a helmet, and you didn't need to pay road tax. So it's kind of like a loophole that he found that he thought, ah, I want to get into electric vehicles. This is a stepping stone. There was going to be a C10 and a C15. There wasn't, for reasons we'll come to. Um, But the idea was maybe by the 1990s to have a full-blown kind of Tesla-style car with Sinclair branding on it. This was just the first thing on that ladder, and it was deliberately to take advantage of this fudge electrically assisted pedal cycle what does that mean let's create a vehicle that fits into that category yeah but at the same time it was kind of the problem that came to hang over the c5 as well that it was neither 
a super fun toy that 14-year-olds could all get into and, and hoon about in, nor was it like an actual vehicle that you could genuinely go to the shops in because, as we've mentioned, it couldn't go up <laughs> hills and it, without being pedaled and it couldn't go very far. And also you were in the sort of choking, choking smog of traffic and also it couldn't carry anything. Yeah, there's no storage. And security-wise as well, like, so you think, okay, so it's a city car. Fair enough. You know, this is for people who live in urban environments. Well, then security's an issue, isn't it? And this you could literally pick up and put in a car boot. (laughs) No security (laughs) at all. Well, like Arian, I had also never heard of the C5. It was a little bit before my time. And I thought, actually, this is great because there was an advert for it from 1985 on YouTube. And I thought, I'll watch this as if I am the consumer of the day. Uh The two overriding (laughs) thoughts. One is... This looks silly. People don't like to look silly in public, especially in a vehicle mm. which is so bound up with, you know, appearance and status and ego. It looks silly. But then the other thing was, it's so hard to imagine where it would be safe or convenient to mm. use a C5. Hence the ad mostly shows it against either a plain black backdrop while it lists all the benefits of the vehicle. <laughs> and then at the end, there's one shot of a family going down what looks like a pathway through a park. Mm. And I was actually I was thinking... Yes, I can see that that might be fun. You know, you go to, I don't know, like Hyde Park or something and you hire them when you're visiting with your family and you whiz around the park. Yeah, it's like a Segway became. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But the idea that you would weave in and out of traffic and it's impossible to overstate how close to the ground you're sitting. You're basically, it's like the build of a go-kart. Yeah. Your eyeline would be so low that no one in a car would be able to see you. If you stuck your tongue out, you could lick the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> One of the marketing strategies that Sinclair employed when these didn't exactly fly off the shelves was to actually <laughs> hire teenagers to drive them around British cities to try and create a mystique and yeah. an interest around them in this target demographic. I think they got a bit carried away because they realised that the loophole existed that a 14-year-old could legally drive it, that that somehow was the <laughs> optimum market. Mm-hmm. Whereas really, it seems to me that it was essentially sort of executive toy. That's what this was. Yes. And it's like the modern equivalent might be a drone. Yeah. You don't need one, but if you're a kind of middle-class family with disposable income, the kids play with it, but really it's the dad that's playing with it in the garden. That's what this was. Do you think that Sinclair put out an advert for parents who didn't like their teenagers very much? Like, (laughs) let them come and ride my vehicle around central London. Well, actually, an interesting thing that the advert from the 80s did have, Rebecca, I don't know if you spotted, at the end, the call to action, how it told you to find out more. Do you remember what it said? Call a number or something. Yeah. There was like inviting you to find out more. Yeah. Pick up the phone, dial 100 for the operator and ask for free phone C5. Which was the equivalent in 1985 of saying hashtag C5. But I mean, that, that was quite yeah. savvy, I thought. Like, like the marketers obviously realised that the principal reaction of the public seeing this thing drive past would be WTF. Like, what's that? And that the best marketing they could do was to have a free phone number where people could just find out more. Like, not get the hard sell, but it's like, what is that? I thought that was quite a clever idea because that's exactly how it would be marketed now, isn't it? You'd use viral marketing. Although, again, after its failure, one of the uh, criticisms of the whole marketing drive was that they'd attempted to sell the thing by mail order. And, and, you know, people were just like, well, how? Like, it was was a £399 
vehicle. So not an inconsequential amount of money. And people were being expected to buy it either over the phone or via mail order, pretty much sight unseen. And I think that came to be one of the problems that they, they really struggled to get it into stores because also they were completely slammed in the press and there were these bad safety ratings and everything was going against them and their initial sales weren't going well. But the fact that they couldn't even get them into shops for people to be able to go and look at them and go, yes, this is a vehicle that I would like to purchase having had a little go, I think must have counted against them. And just in terms of the legacy, in case you thought that the C5 might be ripe for a reappraisal, as most things from the past seem to be these days, um, probably not the case. In a 2013 poll for Gadget Show Live, the C5 was voted the worst gadget of all time. That's harsh. That is really harsh. Take it up with the attendees of Gadget Show Live. (laughs) (laughs) But it's particularly harsh when you consider that uh, Sinclair also had this thing called the Black Watch, which was an early digital watch that had so many problems, including that its battery only lasted 10 days. You couldn't really read it when there was any sort of ambient light about. The quartz crystal was temperature sensitive, causing it to run at different times according to the temperature in the room. (laughs) I'm like, actually, I think even Sinclair could have topped this as one of the worst devices of all time. But it's not as if Sinclair was completely hapless. He'd already been knighted for his um, contribution to technology. He really did think that this might work, because if you look at how he set this up, Hoover made it in their factory in Merthyr Tidville, mm. on the basis that they'd be rolling 200,000 units a year off their production line. And he chose Hoover, mm. of all the industrial manufacturers in Britain, because they had a service network for their vacuums and washing machines and fridges. So he really did think, like, not only are we building a product that's going to sell at volume... We need to work out the maintenance contracts for this. People are going to have these for years. It seems like what happened was that Sinclair was banking on something happening, which actually, when you think about it, could easily have happened, which was that he knew the battery power was not sufficient. He knew that in the long term, the range of the C5 was not sufficient. But Sinclair believed, wrongly it turns out, that manufacturers of batteries would update their technology and make something that's much more powerful. I suspect I'm the only one out of the three of us that's ever been in one. Well, when I was describing, you know, the middle class executive dad who would bring home a a (laughs) pointless toy to his family, I was describing my father who did that. (laughs) I was six at the time. And I still remember it because Uncle Roy flipped it like quite damagingly, like managed to hurt himself quite badly. And you mentioned that it retailed for £399, but in an effort to keep the cost, you know, relatively low compared to the cost of a, a standard vehicle, there were quite a few optional paid-for add-ons I don't think we would necessarily consider optional, um, <laughs> such as indicators. You had to pay extra for indicators if you wanted to let road users know where you're going. Um, you mentioned as well that it was, it was open-topped. You could buy a wet weather kit for it, which was mm. not, as you might expect, a hood or something that could be attached. It was basically fabric side panels and then a matching hooded anorak for you to wear as you drove it. (laughs) That was extra. Tomorrow. Well, initially, the top price was £5,000. £100,000 in today's money. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. 